Hello everyone, this is a brief reminder that the following episode was recorded a couple of years ago and so won't have any references to anything newer in the series. Also a reminder that there are a whole bunch of episodes after this one available all the way through the end of Final Fantasy VII plus a couple of interlude episodes after that. 70 plus shows on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash ffweekly. It only costs $1.00. To get all of that stuff, plus we've got some shows on Studio Ghibli movies starting to go on Studio Ghibli Weekly. That's a whole lot of fun. And you get access to a Discord channel where a whole bunch of fun people, very non-toxic, very positive community, talking about Final Fantasy, comic book stuff, the new Spider-Man movie, Wheel of Time, anything and everything under the sun that feels like fun for us to talk about. You can also get access to all that stuff and a bunch more podcasts, written content, lists, Just so much more fun stuff for us nerdy people over at patreon.com slash DC Productions. Thank you so much, and now, on to the show. Welcome to Final Fantasy Weekly. I'm Drew Kreisman. And I'm Ira Kreisman. And on this episode, we will be discussing the art and gameplay of Chrono Trigger. You know, it's interesting, when we first began this conversation, we didn't think we'd have quite as much to say about these two topics and that we might breeze right through them and get to the music. But as it turned out, while we did have a bit more to say about the music. We're going to have to reserve that for the next episode, maybe two episodes on the soundtrack, but do just this one a little bit shorter, but still on the art and gameplay itself because it's long enduring these two elements of the game, widely celebrated the gameplay and the artistic design of Chrono Trigger as we'll get into in a bit more detail here in just a moment. Not our favorite elements, but that didn't make them any less worthy of discussion. Of course, the art was done by the world-renowned Akira Toriyama, the mastermind responsible for Dragon Quest and Dragon Ball Z. And the battle system really was just adapted from what Hiroyoku Ito had already done on Final Fantasy IV when he created the active time battle system, but there were some innovations to it that make it some people's favorite iteration of that system. And so we'll talk about why that's the case and why maybe, for a little spoiler, those particular things don't necessarily resonate with us individually, which is interesting because I have seen these two things oftentimes cited by many other people as the reason why Chrono Trigger is one of their favorite games of all time. And to us, they were kind of nice, fun little additions that really didn't make or break the experience in any way. So we will begin in the area we are by far the least qualified to talk about, and that is the visual artistic stylings of Akira Toriyama, whose style is a thing in and of itself, and that's part of the reason why it might be difficult for us to fully pinpoint. He popularized a style of anime in the late 80s and 
early 90s that much like the way Final Fantasy VII had kind of set a new standard for what JRPGs can and should be like, Akira Toriyama set a new standard for how anime would look for quite a while. And so sometimes it's difficult to look at his work, I think, for people like us who are outsiders and see beyond some of the ways in which it's become a bit cliched. Uh, A lot of the designs are pretty basic fantasy stuff. The white girl with the blonde hair, very easy to tell she's the good guy. The magical people have purple hair and look elvish. There's some standard fantasy fare going on there, but he definitely has his own flair that I think while both of us prefer the just visually Yoshitaka Amano stuff, it's easy to see why Toriyama is so beloved because you can look at any one of his pieces and know whether it's from Dragon Quest, Chrono Trigger, Dragon Ball Z, you can look at it out of context and go, that's an Akira Toriyama piece. Absolutely. His visual style is distinctive. You know it when you see it. Uh, and you know when people are trying to do something similar to it, when, when they're trying to pay homage. And, and I can appreciate that. I think, I think it's a neat style. I, I like it. I, I will recognize Chrono whenever and wherever he is drawn. All these characters are distinctive. I know what Isla looks like. I know what Magus looks like. I know what Robo looks like and Luca and Marl and Ozzy and, and Slash and Flea and Kino. Like all these characters are clearly who they are. Did I not mention Frog? Also Frog. Like, so, so I really, I don't dislike the style. I think it is also, it, it seems easier to translate the character designs of Akira Toriyama into a video game than it is Yoshitaka Amano. And we've talked about that before, and I think I think that is especially noticeable when we get to a game like Chrono Trigger. Yeah, uh, I think the word you were kind of working around there, but absolutely stating is like exaggerated. He's got a lot of, there's the big eyes and there's the bright colors. There tends not to be a ton of tiny little details or ephemeral, ambiguous parts of the character design. They're sharply drawn. It's very clear. And in their pixel forms, this is the first time we're going to use this word, though we'll use it again. They're super deformed. What's called super deformed. So that really, you know, their heads are almost the size of their bodies when you're looking at them on the Super Nintendo, which allows you to do some really interesting stuff. They can do emotes. They've got, you know, it it gives the character a certain amount of personality. You can much more clearly see their faces than you can in a lot of the Super Nintendo and Nintendo Final Fantasy games where you've got these tiny little sprites. The fact that Toriyama's sketches are already exaggerated in that way. They've already got big giant heads. Uh, Then you can put it in the Super Nintendo and it still looks pretty cool. Which is how those games basically translated or attempted to translate Amano's work anyway. It just it it's a more true translation and, and whether that's good or bad I don't think is is the question. it comes to a matter of taste, I suppose. So Drew, if I could put you on the spot for a minute. You like to make lists. If you were to yeah. make a list ranking 
Tetsuya Nomura, Akira Toriyama, and Yoshitaka Ooh. Amano. <laughs> Just those three? Uh, well, those are I, the three like primary JRPG Squeenix artists, right? Isn't is that or is there somebody else we ought to be adding in there that I didn't think of? Maybe though there have been different artists, Minagawa and Yoshida, but Yasumi Matsuno, who did all the Final Fantasy Tactics, Vagrant Story, oh, Final Fantasy sure. Twelve. Yeah, okay. uh, that style I really like a lot, and would probably just for me personally, on my personal list, would put over Tetsuya Nomura and Akira Toriyama. But if I'm doing, and we'll see this weird distinction that I make over and over again, if I'm trying to be more objective about it, and I'm just appreciating the overall body of work and the classicness of certain character designs, Tetsuya Nomura is going to be number two on my list. The guy drew Cloud and Sephiroth. And I don't mean to get overly simple about it. Uh, and created the Kingdom Hearts look and feel. That Just those two things alone for his resume. You know, for me personally, I really like his art style, but I, I do like that that thing that the Tactics and, and 12, the Ivalice games do really, really well. Of course, Amano's going to be at the top of my list, though. I don't know why the Toriyama stuff doesn't strike me as much as anything. Maybe it's because I always thought Dragon Ball Z was so silly as a kid. I actually like it more now than I did as a kid. I, I kind of can get into the campiness of it, but... I just didn't like it when I was a kid, and other than the character designs of Chrono Trigger, the ones that you mentioned, not a lot else about it sticks out to me in this game, and I think it's part of the reason why I can be a little more defensive of the Final Fantasy stuff. Not even the monster designs? Because those are pretty clearly Toriyama designs. Like, the way the the mystic goblin guys... Like, that, that body shape shows up in Dragon Ball Z, right? Right. Ozzy and Slash and Flea look like they could have come straight out of that anime. So I'm not going to agree or disagree with your list, obviously. Uh, I am much more on the subjective range when it comes to uh, trying to understand art styles and, and what is preferable or not. Uh, I have my preferences, to be sure, but I'm not going to try to say one, two, three, four, five, however many artists we come up with. Uh, but I do think that certainly this game and its uh, its successor are marked by his art style, even though he didn't have anything to do with Chrono Cross, right? Right, but still. Inspiration, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I, uh, I, I don't prefer it. I, I definitely prefer Yoshitaka Amano. But I do think that his efforts are a worthy... A worthy addition to this multiverse, if if nothing else. Oh, absolutely. And that's a, another thing worth remembering, too, that in, in defense of lists, that just because I rank somebody lower than somebody else doesn't mean I don't, I don't think that person is awesome, or I, I don't think that, the, you know, I don't enjoy every minute of being in the world of Chrono Trigger, and, and these characters absolutely live on in my heart. You know, they're simplistic designs you know isla is a cave woman but there's something about her that stands out there's nothing i could necessarily put my finger on other than her being a toriyama design frog kind of the same thing he's an anthropomorphic frog 
and and that's that's the thing that sets him apart. That's what he is. There's not a whole lot else going on there. Chrono and Goku, you know, don't look that much different from each other, but you can tell the two of them apart. So sure. And and I do think some of the environments are are memorable as well. Mostly zeal, honestly. I think the the kind of towns and places and countries otherwise the the eras stand out for sure. But in terms of like, you know, in the future it's just a bunch of blob domes in one thousand AD the towns are just towns. That's as much the music direction I would think. Right. So at the risk of further embarrassing ourselves and and hopefully getting a a really long email from somebody that explains why Akira Toriyama is a genius and we are idiots, which if we get that, we will read on this podcast. Absolutely. I love essays about how wrong I am. That I really do. Right. We we don't have much else to say about that. And, And it's interesting because I think that leads us right into the gameplay conversation in a, a bit of a peculiar way because similarly for a lot of people the gameplay of Chrono Trigger is what sets it apart. It avoids what a lot of people see as the trappings of Final Fantasy. I think you could argue the same thing kind of in the art style. For lack of a better phrase i think a lot of people feel that final fantasy is a bit full of itself is a bit serious and elitist and can just take itself quite seriously and i don't think that that's necessarily wrong or that there's anything that's necessarily wrong with that but i do think that some people appreciate the the more lighthearted style of this game the the brighter colors And then there's this element of immersion. When I used to argue and debate with my friends in in high school and college about video games, this was a word that came up a lot that I think can sometimes separate types of gamers. That for them, the most important thing is that a video game be immersive, that it not break up your experience of being transported into another world. And things like random battles in Final Fantasy where you're walking around the map and then suddenly there's a sound and a musical cue and you get transitioned from one screen into a different screen and now everything looks a little bit different and now you're in battle. For some people, that breaks up their immersion. And Chrono Trigger introduced a system that a lot of people had wanted for a long time, whereby you can see the enemies on the field of battle as you run around, and you can, for the most part, choose to engage with them or not. And taking out the random battle part seems to have been a renaissance moment for a lot of people. Eh. <laughs> right? I mean... Uh, that that's fine. People don't like random battles. I guess I've I've got no problem with people not liking random battles. I kind of like random battles. I like the uh, the tension that it builds when you're when you're in a dungeon and you know you're getting close to a save point and you're you're kind of low on magic points and you've used all your potions and are you gonna make it? I don't think that's necessarily better than the way Chrono Trigger does it. I I like the way Chrono Trigger's system works. 
I like how you can kind of skirt around and, and run around to enemies and, and not get in fights. If you've already been down this path already, thank you very much. Yeah, I think that's the biggest part, right? That when you're backtracking, that's when it's the best. Because I agree with everything you just said about random battles, but they can be a bit of a pain in the ass when you're like, no, I didn't mean to go this way or I got lost and I'm just trying to figure out where I'm going. So I'd like to not get interrupted every 15 to 30 seconds by going into a battle and then getting lost again because I don't know where I am. Right. And and games, Final Fantasy, in the next game we're going to talk about, introduced a way to get around that. It was yeah. not overt. Like you had to find the thing and you had to be very deliberate about it. But future games would would go on to it's the read ahead ability that you'll find in various Final Fantasy games where, you know, you just you don't have to get in random battles in this area anymore if you don't want to just turn on that ability. So, I don't feel that strongly about it. I guess. Yeah, and I even think that in some ways it invokes you know Dungeons and Dragons and Lord of the Rings when you can get in a random battle at any time and pretty much any fight is an ambush and it, it, that's what being out on an adventure would probably be more like but I, I get why people like it and there's there's definitely something fun about being able to see them wander around on the world map and sure not have that transition just go straight into battle and the, and this was the other thing that it brought in and this is why these were two innovations that worked really well together was once you just came into the battle system now where you were at on the map yeah. would matter a little bit yeah, I do really like that. The characters and the enemies move around during the fight instead of, you know, our stationary football example from Final Fantasy where there's a line of scrimmage. And literally, just like in the game of football, you're not allowed to move until action is called. In this, where where they're at can determine something else that's really interesting. Yeah, I, I, I do like that. I think that's cool because then you get multiple guys in Chrono Cyclone Attack or... Uh, or you can, if you're spread out far enough, maybe you can avoid certain attacks. I do think that's pretty cool. The other thing I really like about this system is the dual techs and the triple techs. So your characters, when they've been working together long enough, will learn how to team up. So the, the classic example, I think, is Chrono and Frog being able to perform the cross slash, where they each draw their swords and, and dash across the enemy at the same time and, and do this really cool it's got a neat effect there's like these big broad red lines and there's a flash of light and yeah that's super neat marl and luca can team up with their fire and ice magic to create the antipode spell which is super cool so all the characters can get together on certain things though magus is a little like you can only do a couple of triple techs with him and only if you picked up certain items there's like a i don't have it in front of me but there's something you can do with marl and luca that's uh, an even bigger spell with his black hole kind of magic. So yeah, I, I dig that a lot. I think that's a, a really fun permutation of active time battle. Yeah, I think the thing you were getting at at the end there is my favorite thing about it. As cool as it could be, you really could have done this in any other Final Fantasy game, and it would have been neat to see, but and we've talked about this before, like with summons, essentially you're just doing a different animation to get to the same end result. You're doing right. damage, but now Chrono and Frog are attacking at the same time. It, it looks cool, but pragmatically, you're not really doing anything that much different from a gameplay perspective. But what I like is the way that as you were getting out there, it, it 
kind of reflects their personalities and it helps to add to the story and to each character what they can do to get and the character relationships like you mentioned the antipode spell is a nice little symbol of the relationship between marl and luca and the the cross slash a nice it furthers the storyline point of they're always talking about chrono's level of swordsmanship and that that frog is a better swordman than than chrono and they're always going on about that stuff so it, it it's nice that there's a gameplay element that reinforces the themes of the story I want to touch briefly on the yep. multiple endings you can get. Most of them are kind of goofy. Gorge. They're just kind of joke endings. The the ending you want is where you save the world and, and defeat Lavos. But uh, depending on when you beat the game, you can get a variety of endings. There's one where everybody turns into frogs once you get back to modern times and, and Marl is going to marry a frog person. There's one where you basically just get a specialized set of credits. There's one where Tata, the legendary warrior, the legendary hero, has to show up to Magus's castle to defeat Luca, Marl, and Chrono. There's one that just shows off all the character designs. There's one where, like, if you defeat Levos before you get the Masamune sword back, Frog and uh, Magus will have a showdown. There's one where you get back to modern times and everybody's a reptite instead of a frog. There's one where Magus goes to confront Levos on his own. There's one where Marl and Luca just comment on how cute all the boys in the game are. There's one where you can like meet all the developers and like you can go into a room and say, "Oh, I created the, I created your sprite, or I created the, uh, the battle system and whatnot." I really like that one a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I think <laughs> that was that? one of the first times that it really occurred to me. Oh yeah, this thing is made by. A group of people, a group of creative people. And they explain, like, yeah, I did this and I was responsible for that. And you can go in and talk to Hironobu Sakaguchi at the end of time. And, yeah, that that left a little bit of an impression. And I don't know, I'm not entirely sure why. It was just cool. There's also an ending where if you get wrecked by Lavos, the world ends. And, yeah. and the future refused to change, I think is the line. And then there's the ending where you save the world. And, and that's, I mean, that's the one we're aiming for, right? So I think it's a neat idea. I don't think it's executed on especially impressively, considering some of the modern video games like the Telltale, Walking Dead, and Batman games, for example. Right, or even Mass Effect. Mass Effect is a, is a good example. Bioshock, I think, mm-hmm. uh, is, is a good example. I like it. I think it, it is expanded upon later to great effect in other games. Yeah, I I think that's really the main thing here is that this brought into the mainstream, popularized the notion of multiple endings. And it made sense in a time travel game to do that. But I agree with you. I don't think it was explored as deeply as it might have been, which would be a bit more problematic if the proper storyline wasn't so good. Uh, As it is, it's just kind of like... Yeah, they threw on these other fun little Elseworld possible endings. It's it's more like a, a choose-your-own-adventure tale where there's, you know, a bunch of... And then you fell off the bridge and died. And like, well, oh, all right, well, <laughs> you know, go back and then do, make a different decision. That kind of reminds me of, uh, of Prince of Persia. He's like, no, 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 that's not what happened. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I think you could have done some really interesting 
things with it. And I think even in Chrono Cross, they do some pretty darn interesting things with the multiple ending. I, I do think it's probably too bad that over the years there's become, and Final Fantasy X-2 does this, the true ending. You get multiple endings, but there's the one true. I feel like that kind of undercuts the concept a little bit if you're trying to go for a you decide what the story is going to be, but maybe that's not what this mechanic is about. Maybe it's about allowing you to explore other things that might have happened, but didn't. Sure. And and I gotta say, if you've ever tried the exercise of writing a choose-your-own-adventure style story, even just a short story, even if it's like a thousand words, but you want to have lots of different choices, you're suddenly writing much, much, much more than a thousand words. And you've got to come up with all sorts of different things that might happen. It becomes, it becomes difficult in a hurry. It can be hard enough to tell one story with no plot holes or major issues, right? Trying to tell one story that can go 15 different ways and have there be, and have them all make sense. Just right. That sounds like an almost unreasonable task to me. The last and I think best bit of gameplay that uh, I want to mention is New Game Plus. This is by far for me the best thing Chrono Trigger did and the biggest influence it has on future games, including various Final Fantasy games. This is the first time I ever saw it. Do you know for sure whether or not this is the first time it was ever done? Yep, this is the first time. Okay, excellent. So it's, it's such a cool concept to be able to play the game again, especially if what you want to do is get all those different endings. Or you want to go back and make sure, I'm going to do the Sunstone this time. But now you're, everyone's level 90. We've all got the best gear we were able to get. And we can zip through things quicker. And we can have a, a different sort of experience. I love that. And I love seeing it in, I love seeing games do it now. Final Fantasy 15 has it. 10-2 has it. Kingdom Hearts has it. Kingdom Hearts has it. So I, I think this should be a staple of every JRPG-style game, and I think it can be implemented in a variety of ways. Yeah, it, I love it. New Game Plus is awesome. This is a feature that's specifically designed for people like us who play these games largely for the stories and characters but still enjoy the gameplay, but also want to dive deeper into them and so don't necessarily want a second playthrough to be hindered by having to start all the way over again and re-level your characters up and run into slow progression and the early going and just as you put it zip right through the thing while still having some fun playing and and then typically a good new game plus will also have some hidden new bosses that are challenging only you know, you can only beat them if you do the new game plus and continue to power yourself up and then go get all the legendary weapons. But it makes also as players who are not completionists, certainly on a first go through, because we want to finish the game. We want to finish the story. We don't want to go run around for an extra 30 or 40 hours getting all the little items. But on a second playthrough, 
yeah, I'll, I'll stop and look around and, and do those types of things. So I'm with you all on board New Game Plus. Thank you, Chrono Trigger. Don't know exactly, you know, on the team of 14 creative geniuses who were on this game. I'm not sure who came up with that one, but thanks. That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening, and thank you to everyone who's reached out to us. Feel free to let us know what we missed, got wrong, or should have mentioned. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at FFWeeklyPod, or you can email us at FinalFantasyWeekly at gmail.com. We're also now on Patreon. While the podcast is still free to listen to via archive.org, if you want to download it on your regular podcast service, you can do so for as little as $1 a month. Join us next time when we parse aesthetic soundscapes, muse on melancholy, and celebrate faraway times.